Good morning. Good morning, my name is Sam McLaughlin and I'm the senior pastor here at Bellmead United Methodist Church. If we haven't met yet, I would love the chance to get to know you. Gracie mentioned the yellow visitor card in your pew rack in front of you and we would love for you to fill that out and hand it to us on your way out today. And we have a gift for you. If you're joining us on the sermon podcast or joining us online this morning, we're also so glad that you're here. Make sure to say hello to our online pastor, Rachel. I wanted to let you know, in case you didn't hear, that today we started a new class of Bellmead 101, which is sort of our introductory course to uh, Bellmead, to the United Methodist Church as a whole. Um, In May, we had 32 people, and this morning we started off with 20, so we're just really excited about the, the class and the growth and the interest in our church. Today, we're starting a new sermon series for the month of October called Wisdom to Live By. And it really has two different uh, points, uh, points of entry that we're, that we're gonna study. First is wisdom literature in the Bible itself. So we'll be looking at the Psalms and Proverbs. On Wednesday night, uh, Kenny Cosner's gonna teach a class on the easy book of Job. So uh, go check that out at six o'clock on Wednesdays. And this series uh, will present some lived experience, wisdom and insight that people have gained over the years. Uh, So people uh, in our church, our congregation members, will be sharing their wisdom and insight throughout the month in worship. On um, October 15th, Marshall Brown is gonna preach. And then you will also hear from people in written form. So we've asked a couple people uh, to write some of the wisdom and insight that they have to share, and you'll be able to read that throughout this month as well. So I'm really excited about all the ways that we will gain uh, wisdom to live by this October. Today, we are beginning with Psalm 1. Uh, This Psalm has two intentions. It's to teach us wisdom itself and to prepare us for all of the wisdom found in the book of Psalms. It begins with a beatitude, something that maybe we're used to hearing uh, from Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those, or blessed is the one. Uh, What it was interesting to me is that the word bless or blessed is found 25 times in the Psalms. And so some people say that as you study the Psalms, you discover what it, what it takes, what you need to live a blessed and happy life. So in Psalm 1's case, uh, the blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but the blessed are those who delight in the law, who meditate on it day and night. Now, there are other Old Testament references to delighting in the law. As Joshua takes Moses' place as a leader, he is told by God that this book of law is something that he needs to meditate on day and night so that he prospers. Uh, Deuteronomy says that the king of Israel is to have a copy of this law, like by his nightstand, to read it all the days of his life. Now, those references might have specifically been about uh, the Torah, the law, uh, but the term for law here is different. Here, the term means uh, more broadly instruction, 
And that instruction is not only what we learn from meditating on scripture, but it's what we find in nature. It's, what, it's the divine inspiration and revelation of God as we move about our normal day-to-day lives. And so what is presented here is a posture that we can take of constant openness to God's instruction to our lives. So here, the psalmist sort of sets up two different paths that we can take in life. Uh, There's the path of the righteous, you know, people who are open to God's movement and looking for God in the world. And there's the path of the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers, the mockers. And before we start to think that those sinners and those wicked people are out there, the Psalms remind us that mockers are people who arrogantly refuse to accept God's instruction. The wicked are people who are self-centered rather than God-centered, that are self-instructed rather than God-instructed, that to be wicked means to be autonomous, which literally means to be a law unto oneself. Now, uh, my daughter Madeline is two years old, and I would never call her wicked, but she is a toddler with a law unto herself, right? You try and help her with something, and she says, my do it, my do it, my do it. A few weeks ago, I was making her a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I handed her the sandwich, and she opened it up to examine it. And she did not like the amount of jelly on the sandwich. And so she handed it back to me and she said, more jelly. So I got another spoonful and I put it on the sandwich and I closed it up and I handed it back to her like, she'll just take a bite. No, no, no. She opened it up, examined the jelly again. This time when she didn't like it, she closed it, threw it on the ground, stepped on top of it and then jumped on it. And she looked at me and I was like, a flash of wickedness across her face, you know? She's like, what are you gonna do about it, you know? And so we know, we know what it's like to be arrogantly unwilling to accept instruction, to want the jelly on the sandwich a certain way. Now what's more is that as you look further at the description of the wicked in this Psalm, You see that the wicked are the ones who are constantly on the move. They walk in step with the wicked. They go the way that sinners take. They keep company with mockers. It says the wicked are like chaff that the wind blows away. The wicked are people who are easily moved, like the world huffs and puffs and blows their house down. But the wise, the wise are like a tree planted by a stream, roots that go deep. They're sturdy, they're solid, they're untouched by the elements. They do not wither, they withstand. What's hard for us in our culture is that we have a society that thrives on that quest for autonomy on forming our singular identity, uh, on saying we don't need anybody else and we don't wanna ask for help and we don't need your words of wisdom. 
The problem is we're in a culture that hustles and bustles and moves at an American pace that entices us with the hottest new products and a news cycle that's presented as gospel. It is easy for us to give way in our immediate, instant, impatient culture. We are simply, if we allow it, tossed to and fro, whiplashed by the wisdom of the world. And in that process, we lose something. We're forced to live in the shallow instead of venturing out into the depth and the insight of God. And so this psalm is an invitation to root down deep into something and someone more real and more life-giving and more insightful than the world has to offer. John Calvin, one of the biggest theologians of the Reformation, once wrote that God, by a sudden conversion, subdued and brought his mind to a teachable frame. And so this psalm, it's this invitation to place ourselves before God with openness to God's instruction, to place ourselves before God and have a teachable frame. Uh, Thursday of this week, I uh, went down to uh, Perdido Key with four uh, other women from our church. And as we uh, got on the plane early Thursday morning, I started to talk to one of them, uh, Mary Beth Nicholson, who's a doctor at Vandy Children's, who has three kids. Her family attends the 8.30 worship service. And she started to catch me up on her quest to read the Bible in a year. Um, she kind of laughed at herself because it's been two years now that she's uh, been trying to read the Bible, but she's on day 340 of 365. And I thought, that's really good, right? She was inspiring me with um, this rhythm that she was talking about. She said that at night, she reads the selected passages in her Bible. And then the next morning, she wakes up before her kids and she makes a cup of coffee and she listens to the podcast on her Bible app and she scribbles notes in her Bible. And she said, after 340 days of reading the Bible, what I discovered is that it doesn't exactly say what I thought it was gonna say. The biggest themes that I've heard all my life, I, I didn't hear those as I was reading through the Bible. What I heard was the huge theme of generosity and the other huge theme of hospitality. But the biggest thing I noticed was the importance of the Sabbath, how people honored it, how people stopped how Jesus talked about the healing that can be found when we finally sit still and plant ourselves. And I noticed after that conversation how the five of us were practicing Sabbath together. Uh, we literally planted ourselves on a couch for hours and then planted ourselves on the porch for hours and then planted ourselves in the sand for hours. And the more we let the obligations of the world and the cell phones slip away, the more we found ourselves taking deep breaths, taking in the rest and the peace and the gift of Sabbath and the wisdom that it can bring to our lives. See, in the church, we don't just create routines and rhythms to read the Bible in order to check off a list. 
or in order to say, I read my Bible every day, we saturate ourselves in the living word of God. We chew on it and we meditate on it so that it gets into our bloodstream, so that it gets into our gut, so that we can recall it and be transformed by it from the inside out. And so this Psalm, it presents to us a choice Right, We can choose to sink our roots deep down into the revelation and inspiration of God that allows us to be fruitful and to flourish. We can choose when the world is frantic and frenzy around us to sit down in the presence of God and listen for God's wisdom. We can choose to walk in step with the righteous and stand in the stream with the living saints and sit in the company of Christians. When we do that, we do not lose, we gain. We gain the insight and the wisdom of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We gain access to the communal kingdom way of life. We gain the insight to discern the next right step we gain the ability to decipher between what is distracting us from the path we want to take and the way of life that leads to prosperity. See, that's the final thing that this Psalm says. It says the person that's planted like a tree next to a stream, whatever they do prospers. And of course, we're not talking about the prosperity of gaining wealth or making a name for oneself, or becoming famous, or even getting exactly what we want. We're talking about prosperity that is spiritual success. A heart and a body and a mind and a soul so intertwined with the source of life that it does not wither, it withstands. It bears all things, it blooms. Thanks be to God. Amen.